Hi, everyone. Welcome to Get Creative. I'm so happy that you all are here with me. And I am excited to do a deep dive into one of the things that I get requested the most is about being a unicorn agent. I'm going to do my best to keep track of what's going on. Um, unfortunately, I have no monitor. So if I'm looking at comments, I'm going to be looking this direction, but I'll do my best to keep my eyes on the camera. Um, so yeah, but happy everyone's here with me. Um, Pace's um, two cities in one day, two flights in one day. So unfortunately, he can't be with us. I think right now, currently, the Houston meetup um, for his book signing is happening. So he will not be joining us. So it'll just be with us. But super excited to see you all. So um, how I wanted to start um, how I became an investor-focused agent, which is what a unicorn agent is. If you've heard Pace say unicorn agent, you've seen people comment unicorn emojis or say things like that. Um, I thought we could kind of dive into how I got to be a unicorn agent and um, why I think it's the way to go if you have your real estate license. And if you do not have your real estate license and you are an investor watching this, a lot of you probably have a partner, a spouse, a girlfriend, fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend who you would like to involve in your business and you might not know how. And you may be thinking, hmm, maybe they should be my TC. Well, having them get their real estate license is another good avenue for your partner. Um, that way they can list your fix and flips. They can list your rental properties. They can help you write contracts, a bunch of other wonderful things. And you will get MLS access. So what's not to love about having someone who you're close to being a licensed agent? So really quick. When I got my license, I knew nothing about real estate. My father is a contractor and I had a baby at 20 years old. Some of you may know that. Some of you may not. But Asher is mine. He is not Pace's, although Pace is has become a wonderful father figure to him. Um, so I had a full ride scholarship, did great, graduated sixth in my class from a massive high school and when I got pregnant, I decided instead of giving my baby to my mom and continuing about my life, I decided to take a full year off and be a mom for a full year and um, lost my scholarship. And after that year, I went back to school. And after racking up $10,000 worth of student loan debt in one semester, I thought this is not sustainable for me. I have a really small child and I need to figure out how to make ends meet. So I had a conversation with my dad and my dad said, why don't you become a realtor? And I never was in my thought process, never was in my plans, never was something I ever thought that I would ever do. And I made a joke back to him. Um, you know, why would I become a realtor? Is it because of my magnetic personality? Because I don't have the most outgoing personality, um, Sometimes I'm like TikTok at this point has convinced me that I am on the spectrum for autism. And sometimes I do think that about myself. Um, so I, I'm not a salesperson by nature. I'm not outgoing by nature. I'm not extroverted by nature. And so, um, but I did what my dad said and I'm super glad that I did. However, you do not learn how to sell homes when you're in real estate school. You learn how many square feet are in an acre and you know all about RESPA laws. 
Um, but you do not know where you're going to find a buyer, where you're going to find someone who wants to list their home. You don't even learn how to comp homes, which is crazy. So I ended up um, sitting in Realty Executives. I took part in their executive launch program. Um, and I was in the bullpen every single day because it was free, free cubicles. And I had no idea what to do. I didn't even know how to hold an open house. And so I went every day with my laptop and my cell phone and had a clean car just in case somehow miraculously a buyer wanted to get in my car with me and go see a house. But I did not know what to do. And a wonderful realtor, I had a mentor as well, which I guess I'll touch on her really quick. So Realty Executives um, assigned me a mentor. And a mentor is someone who is usually a seasoned agent who will walk you through, hold your hand um, while you get your first three deals done in exchange for taking part of your commission. Um, she never helped me. She never gave me a lesson. The only thing that she ever did is I went to her office and I said, hey, I'm a little bit nervous because I'm 22 years old. I've never bought my own house. And I like I was second guessing my abilities and she looked me in the eye and she goes, well, I'll tell you what, I would never buy a house from you. And that really took the wind out of my sails. So, you know, real estate's a commission only business. I'm not making money sitting my butt down there every day. I'm taking time away from my son. And so um, an agent who had enough business that he was able to rent an office next to the bullpen he came out one day and he said, hey, do you want to make some money while you figure this out? And I said, sure. And so I ended up working for Randy Duncan, which I did an interview with him on my YouTube channel. If anyone's interested, I think it's a fantastic video. And a lot of people Randy's age, he's, you know, in his 50s. We don't necessarily highlight those people on social media. We're not going on podcasts with people that age and older. Um, you know, Randy's been a licensed realtor for 40 years. Um, what he's seen and what he's witnessed in the market, um, having that type of knowledge and wisdom, I think is invaluable. So definitely worth a, a watch, shameless plug. Um, but he gave me the opportunity to go, essentially I was a runner. So I would go put lockboxes on properties, go pick up keys from title companies, um, go evict people, and um, I learned a lot and seeing him in his office every single day, he had, you know, people coming and picking up checks and he would go to the foreclosure auctions and, um, you know, properties were being bought, properties were being sold. He was using his license, but he was using it in a different way. He was buying houses um, at a trustee sale with one of his cash investors using other people's money, OPM, um, and running the cruise, running the fix and flip. And then he would list them and they were profit sharing. And so that was my first aha, if you will, that, wow, there's a lot of business that goes on that isn't just retail buyers and sellers. And what do I mean by a retail buyer or seller? I mean, that's a person who's actually going to live in the home or who actually does live in the home. So in my mind, you know, 22 years old, I never thought that I could do that myself. And now some of you hearing me say that might say, ha, 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 like, look at you now, you're 
married to Pace Morby and you're on a house flipping show on A&E, like look where your life has gone in the last 15 years. But I didn't believe in myself. I know a lot of us can attest to that. So um, I ended up still trying to make being a retail agent work because when you are in an office and you see the office meetings and the awards and the rankings, they are usually going to, you know, these agents who work and have big teams. They have other agents underneath them and they work with retail buyers and sellers. So that's my beginning. Now I'm going to share with you why I didn't end up becoming a retail agent and why I don't think you should either. So if you pull up some stats in your market, I'm going to speak on Phoenix, but any market. I mean, all of us have seen a realtor pull up in a 7 Series BMW with fake chiclet teeth, and they've got million-dollar listings. We've all seen them. We all think that that's what it's going to be, and we all have this really messed-up idea that we can do it part-time as well. I don't know where that came from, but all of us who get their license think, I'm going to be able to be a mom. I'll essentially do real estate on the side and I'll be driving around in a BMW wearing Christian Louboutin high heels and selling million dollar homes. And that is the case for some people, but very few. So if you, and if you guys are curious and you think I'm lying, feel free to go to your title company and ask um, the percentage of agents that sell one house a year. Now ask the percentage of agents that sell two houses a year. Then ask your title company what it takes for an agent to make it into the top 10% of realtors in that market. And in Arizona, it's one house. You have to sell one house a year. So that means 90% of agents aren't selling anything. And that's not because they don't want to. I know a lot of agents who are really hungry and who really try. Now, those agents that are running around in designer clothes and driving BMWs, they exist. There are successful realtors who can make a living off of just retail buyers and sellers. But it's very, it's like I could probably name six people in the entire East Valley Phoenix market who actually sell enough homes to be able to feed their family. Um, it's hard. I mean, when you look at realtors and their business, and a lot of people think that realtors are overpaid, um, but realtors get paid, you know, on average about two and a half percent of a sales price as a commission. And if you think about them selling, you know, a, a $250,000 home, how many $250,000 homes at two and a half percent do they have to sell in order to make five grand? How many do they have to sell to make 10 grand a month? That's an insane amount. Now, also take into consideration that there's about 2,500 to three grand a year of costs associated with keeping your license between licensing fees, your local, state, and national association, um, your board, your MLS, your lockbox key, your cell phone, your gas, your wear and tear on your vehicle. It's expensive to have a license even if you don't use it. Um, and then you have to pay about half in taxes if you don't know how to avoid them and you're not investing in real estate yourself that you can depreciate. 
um, you're paying half of that in taxes because you're a 1099 employee. So you can kind of see where the problem is starting to arise, that maybe this isn't as fancy of a position as one thinks. This is not million dollar listing on Netflix. We're not all married to Tarek El Moussa and we all don't look like Heather El Moussa and we're not, you know, selling Sunset or whatever it's called, you know, like that's not real life for most of us. So how do you sell enough homes to be able to make five grand a month? Because you're going to have to make 10 grand a month because half of that's going to Uncle Sam. That's hard. So when you figure out how you can actually get leads in real estate, the first way is to go to your personal sphere. So that's people that you know, that's old coworkers, that's family friends, that's people that you went to high school and college with. Now, on average, those people, like most people, if you're a realtor, you know dang well, like we've all had those phone conversations where your best friend is calling you for advice because they hired a realtor that's not you. That happens so much. So even your own best friend, you know, has an aunt who has a real estate license or has a coworker who just bought a house and they use this agent and their coworker has convinced them to use them. So even though you know a person who's actively buying or selling, there is no guarantee that they're going to use you. So you have to constantly be putting yourself out there. And so if any of you follow realtors on Instagram and you're like, gosh, shut up already. Quit making TikToks about being a realtor and making jokes in your open house. And it's there's a reason for it. Because although I've been licensed for almost 15 years, people still, like I'm not joking you, people in my life still are like, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't use you. I didn't realize that you were still an agent. And it's like, what do you think I've been doing the last decade? That is such a weird thing to say. So you have to constantly be reminding everybody because sales, of course, is a top of mind thing. A lot of you who aren't realtors are direct to seller. And so you know that it doesn't, you can follow up with a seller 35 times, but then you get some other wholesaler who calls at that exact moment where the seller's finally ready to make a move. And you're like, I have been following up with you for two and a half months. And this guy called you and said, I'll be there in 15 minutes. And you signed a contract with him. So it's the sales position. Everything's top of mind. So you have to always be putting yourself out there saying, I'm a realtor. Hey, if you know anybody, the other way that you can get um, business is to pay for leads and that's not guaranteed. Right now I pay for leads with realtor.com. I spend $423 a month. I've probably gotten 30 leads and zero sales out of them. They don't always work out great. You know, like if you ever are on realtor.com and you say, yeah, I'd like more information about that house. Guess what? Charges some dumb realtor like me, you know, a hundred bucks for that lead. And you probably have no intention of using me. So that's the second way. The other way is farming and farming is you pick an area. So here in the East Valley, a really wonderful um, group of neighborhoods is called Morrison Ranch. It has a white picket fence. It has green grass, you know, things that are kind of rare for Arizona. Um, Carly in Washington is probably like, oh, yeah, green grass. That's everywhere. But here in Arizona, it's just it's just it doesn't feel like you're in Arizona. It's a really nice community. So I could pick. Morrison Ranch, and there's multiple different subdivisions within Morrison Ranch to farm. And what I would be doing is I would be doing direct mail, 
um, to that neighborhood. And I would be picking open houses to go sit um, as much as I could weekdays, weekends to where I kind of got like a neighborhood presence. I could do a newsletter for the community that I mail out. I could do like a calendar of upcoming activities where I say, here's when spring training is and here's the sun's schedule and here's when food trucks and where they're going to be and, you know, things like that. But all of that costs money. So that's one of the ways. And then another way is referrals. So every realtor who's in here is going to hear me say this and they're going to have a nice chuckle, but it has come. We ask for it so much. It just slides off the tongue. The highest compliment that you can pay me is a referral. If you know anyone who's interested in buying or selling a home, please send them my way. And how often does that happen? Even if someone sends someone your way, again, the odds that they have an aunt who has a real estate license that hasn't really used it in the last 10 years and has a full-time job in corporate America is pretty damn high. And you're going to get passed over for, you know, Aunt Nancy. And meanwhile, you're like struggling to, you know, put food on your table. So it's hard. And I don't know if I've conveyed how hard it is, but it's dang hard. Now you could probably say, well, once you've had a couple clients, they should be your repeat customers. You know, once, you know, people move on average in Phoenix every two to five years. So when they're ready to sell their current home and move into another one, they should be calling you, right? One would think. But the number one thing that people forget about their realtor, prepare yourself, is their name. And you might be like, what? How is that even possible that they could potentially ever forget your name? You're on emails and text messages. This is one of their largest investments of their life. How could they possibly forget that they were crying to you at 1030 at night? But unfortunately, it's true. And so us agents have been conditioned to do what's called anniversary marketing. So um, when we give you a closing gift, it's usually branded and it's something that you touch every day or that sits on your counter that will leave you again top of mind in sales tactic. So if you've ever gotten a set of knives that's in your kitchen and it's got your realtor's name, phone number and company on it, there's a reason why they will happily spend $650 on a butcher block of cut coat knives for you because they're hoping that in two to five years when you're ready to sell your house, that you look in your kitchen and you think, oh, yeah, Laura did a pretty dang good job. That's her name, Laura. Let me give her a call. And then hopefully you get the listing and the sale of their new home. We're also taught with the anniversary marketing. If you've ever had your realtor reach out and say, hey, it's your one year anniversary. Congratulations. Or, hey, just wanted to put together a quick packet on how much your house is worth. That's a sales tactic, too. So you hopefully have appreciated inequity. And maybe you think, oh, my gosh, wow, if I sold my house now, I could make 100 grand. Wow, I've got a couple credit cards and some student loans that are really getting to me. Maybe we should move, you know. Um, so. This is really, really, really long way. How long have I been talking? Almost 20 minutes to say that being a realtor is very hard. Um, now, on the investor side, and my number one thing that I love, and I've said it before, and some of you may hear me and get offended, but what did I say about buyers? They'll call you at 1030 at night and cry about something because someone didn't buy them a home warranty or they have a bad feeling and their feelings are always right, or they had a bad dream, 
or they're really upset that the seller stuck around while their home inspector was there, or um, someone said something about their shutters and they're offended. And so you get all these like super weird, hyper emotional responses because buying and selling your home is very stressful, no matter how wonderful your agent is and how much they manage your expectations and take things off of your plate and shield you from all of the weird stuff that's going on, you get offended on both sides, whether you're buying or selling a home. And talk about gray hair. I can't tell you how many times I've just been like, wow, you're really going to blow this whole deal up because someone won't buy you a $400 home warranty. Really? And when that stuff happens, guess what? All of that work and all of that time that I took to show you 45 houses before you decided that this was the one that really floated your boat and then you canceled on it, I made nothing. So like the time spent versus return and Pace was really good at this for me in the beginning because I never believed in myself. And he would say, the amount of hours that you've spent with this couple or this family, like you, you've literally been showing them houses for three years and you've made nothing. Now, if you took the time that you spent and what are you hoping to make someday? Two grand, five grand. Now take that and divide that over all the hours that you've done. You could have done anything else in your life. Why are you wasting your time? And it's because you don't want to turn away a buyer because the second you tell a buyer, Hey, buyer, I'm so sorry. I'm sick. Hey, buyer, I'm so sorry. I can't go show you this house right now at 11 a.m. I have a, my son has a soccer game. Can we go at 1230? They'll call a listing agent, go look at the house without you and write an offer. I don't know why. It always seems to happen. It's kind of Murphy's law. So you always have to be ready to go at the drop of the hat. I swear you have buyers that aren't interested in seeing things for months. And the second you get on an airplane, they're ready to go. It always works out like that. Now with an investor... And working on the unicorn agent investor specific side, the number one benefit is that it is non-emotional. Um, it's business. You know, I'm not saying that you never have someone who gets upset or who, you know, is uh, I want this to happen or I won't do this repair. But at the end of the day, the investor wants to make the most amount of money possible as quick as they can, because, again, time costs money. Most of these people have loans out. If they're not hard money loans, it's still a loan that costs money each day that it's in place. And so they want it done fast. They want it done well. And they want it at the end of the day, it's about their bottom line. And so now you've entered a different realm to where, you know, an investor wants to be bothered the least amount. So it's like, don't call me if there's, you know, a problem with like, you know, a, a realtor is complaining that the front door lock doesn't, you know, it's misaligned and it's hard to lock the door. Don't call me. Reach out to the team and have them fix it. You know, whereas a homeowner would be like, oh my gosh, we, you need to look up who were the last three people that accessed my house and you need to call them because one of them messed up my door jam. I know it. And I'm going to make you force one of those agents to pay for a locksmith and maybe a trim carpenter because this is not happening. And then you're like wasting your time with like these weird things. So an investor is like, don't even bother me with that. Just get it handled. Make sure that people can get in and out of the house because I want people to see the house because I want to sell the house. So no emotion. It's business, less gray hair, and it moves faster. 
You know, an investor won't say, hey, I'm looking for a fix and flip and pull your chain around for three years because they have a bad feeling about it. They will buy a house from you if they want to buy a house from you. Um, they also, while the house is selling, they will not get hyper emotional about something. If someone offends their bathroom tile choice, they don't care. It, it like, it is what it is. You know, it's like they probably didn't even choose it themselves. You know, they're not going to cry about it that someone doesn't like their tile. So less emotional. Now, the other wonderful thing is that on a very small scale, an investor can handle, you know, one deal every couple months. So one investor will get you six sales. On the larger side, some investors can handle six deals at once. And so it's like, how much can you provide value for? And so some of you might be saying, where do I meet these people? Not everyone's married to Pace. The majority of my business as a investor focused agent never had anything to do with Pace. Never. Up until like about a year and a half ago, Pace started really involving me in his business, or I should say probably two years ago. But before then, like I had a, a full book of business from other investors. And so you may be thinking, well, how do you how do you meet them? Um, the easiest way, which is free, is your local RIA, your Real Estate Investor Association, one of those meetups. Um, if you some investors in here, if you want to sound off in the comments, um, a lot of you like would kill to meet an investor focused agent. I feel like I deal way more with that on the other side where I'm talking to investors who are like, how do I find someone like you? Like, how do I get them to want to work with me? So any realtors watching this who are thinking, wow, I don't know where to go and I don't know if anyone will trust me and I don't know, you know, like the investors out there want you because the majority of agents, um, and we, I suppose we should touch on this a little bit as well. So if any of you are going direct to agent right now, which I'm sure a lot of you are because it's a fantastic lead source, um, a lot of you have probably noticed some awful behavior. Um, realtors are real turds. Yes, I just said turds on Pace's podcast. T-U-R-D-S, turds, I said it. So they're real turds. Um, the, the way they treat each other, the way they treat um, potential business is awful. And so um, I'm sure a lot of you have uh, been on the receiving end of that, but they have a real chip on their shoulder for investors. They really do. Um, and the reason for that is they think that you're stealing their business and unrightfully so. They just have this feeling that um, you're going to come and snake some awesome deal that would have been a listing for them. And they fail to realize that the listings that they're not getting that are being sold to an investor, either cash or creative, um, are homes that could not be listed for a variety of reasons, but it's because of pain. It's because of the bunnies. Um, it's because either they did have it listed with a realtor and it didn't sell. Um, someone died. They're going through a divorce. The house is trashed. Um, they have to move because they got another job. And so, um, there's a really messed up misconception where realtors just have a complete chip on their shoulder, if not think that what investors are doing is illegal because they are too stubborn to learn what it actually is. And if they took the time to learn, 
then they would realize that having an investor as an option when they go into listing appointments is actually a massive advantage. Um, Jamil Damji is a huge proponent of the agent outreach method because he has had extremely wonderful success with one agent in particular. Her name is Monique Walker. Um, some of you might have seen an interview he did with her. Some of you might have seen her at one of the Keegley meetups. But Monique Walker is a very successful realtor and she gets retail listings. But when she comes across a home that is not a good fit for the retail market, that's not a good fit for her to list it, Jamil Damji is a tool in her tool belt that she then will pull out and say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, it sounds like because of the divorce and the move and all of these things that are going on in the condition of the home, it might be best if I... Um, you know, get you money fast. It sounds like you need to get out of this the faster, the less painful. There's a lot of emotions going on. How, how do you feel if I were to bring over a wonderful friend of mine? He's a cash investor. Um, he's a fantastic solution for issues just like this. And I think that this might be our best course of action. Well, guess what? Jamil offers cash, gives Monique a commission, and she moves on. She didn't have to list it. She didn't have to sell it. She didn't have to deal with the weirdness. She didn't have to deal with a home that's unmarketable for whatever reason. And Jamil and her have made millions of dollars together with her referrals and her teeing him up and him kicking her back a commission. So realtors who have the one track mind of you're stealing listings from me, wholesale is illegal, um, wholesale is not illegal, you know? So one of the things that I thought was the most interesting thing is I had a really close relationship with a, an escrow officer. And one day I asked her, I said, how many cash? And I had no idea. It was uh, something that I really didn't think about until I started getting into wholesale. And I said, how many cash transactions versus MLS transactions are you doing? They were doing like, like hundreds of cash transactions a month and only like they had three to eight agents at any given time who were sending them a couple uh, MLS deals a month for her as an escrow officer. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like there's so much business going on underneath an agent's nose that if they don't want to take the time to learn about it, then they'll never get a piece of the pie. But if you want to take the time to just not only recognize it, um, learn about it and get your dang chip off of your shoulder and quit running around and telling everyone it's illegal, then everyone wins. Everyone can eat. Everyone will make money. So there's a definite attitude for agents. So that's one of the reasons why is they think you're taking business from them and they think what you're doing is illegal. Um, I've been talking for 30 minutes and I wanted to finish up and then do a Q&A, but I thought maybe I could open this up for some questions or if I could scroll through the comments. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to be looking at the, um, the camera for a second, but does anyone have any questions so far or anything funny you want to tell me? I love funny stuff. <laughs> How do we appeal to agents in the market? So this is the this is the funny thing. You think that agents don't want to talk to you and agents think that you don't want to talk to them. Agents think, 
I have no idea where to find these investors. And meanwhile, as an investor, you're like, holy crap, if I could find an agent that spoke my language and knew what I was trying to do and could actually help me, like I would be happy to give them listings and push business back their way. Um, you guys are both out there. You guys think that you don't want each other, but you do. So um, if anybody is in the side chat and you're an agent, say I'm an agent in this market, I'm an investor-friendly agent in this market, and investors on the other side in the chat say I'm in, you know, Jonathan Neela, are you a realtor or are you an investor or are you both? You're in Idaho. There's your phone number. So write what you are. Realtor in Miami, love investors. Stephanie, love it. Real estate with Steph. Beautiful. Let's see. What do you think about agents that say that inventory is short in their market and everything is flying off the shelves. Um, there still isn't a ton of inventory and houses are selling. Um, that doesn't mean that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for you as an investor. If that, you know, if, if they need more inventory, pick up some houses and flip them. So not, not a bad thing. Let's see. Guess maybe get more specific, Madge, what, what you want me to answer. How effective is Privy software for investing? Um, it is incredibly effective. There's literally a button that says find deals and it will show you deals. You press a button. I can't imagine anything any better. MD Gonzalez, you're an investor. Where are you at? What markets are you in? All right. As a new sub two member, I'm not sure yet if the direct to agent approach that everyone speaks about is the same as finding unicorn agents. Can you explain the differences and also suggest three or more teams to speak with about these topics? Um, Nabil, are you an agent or um, just a student in sub two or both? Um, direct to agent means that you're reaching out to agents to get deals. So um, usually they're reaching out to agents who have lit properties listed on the market for a long time and they're not selling and you're trying to get in and open a line of communication where you can continuously follow up as a solution to potentially get them their list price just on terms. Now, finding a unicorn agent would be you're trying to establish a relationship with an agent like myself. Now, maybe this is this was the bad time to open up um, questions. What do I do as a unicorn agent? Am I just waiting until I get a listing and pitching creative terms to my seller and giving it to Pace? No, 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 no. As a unicorn agent, what I want to do is I want to make connections with investors in my market and I want to find out what they need and I want to go bring it to them in exchange for once they are doing their exit strategy, what it is that I'm able to help on that side. So first and best example, I go find an investor and I say, hey, what are you looking for? Oh, you're fixing flipping. Great. What's your buy box? Perfect. And are you using cash or hard money? Now that's important because as I underwrite deals for them, I need to know if they have holding costs or not. A deal might work for a straight cash investor that won't work for someone who's getting hard money. Then I say, hey, if I find a house that's like that, what's the best way to send it to you? Do you want me to give you a call? Usually these deals go really fast 
or do you want me to shoot you a text message or is there someone on your team that you want me to send this to? Okay, great. Now I know what it is and now I'm going to go find that. Um, my superpower is finding those through other wholesalers in the local market because cost me nothing. I don't have to go contract sellers. I don't have to cold call sellers. I don't have to direct mail sellers. I don't have to door knock. I'm literally just finding a deal and then I'm going to sell it to my investor and I'm going to say, hey, if I find you a deal, can I have the listing once you go to sell it? So now there's multiple ways where I can get paid. I can get paid when they buy the fix and flip from the wholesaler. So I would just then mark up what the wholesaler is charging, however much the profit margin is. And I think is fair. If I know that my investor is going to make 85 grand, um, I, you know, put in a 15% cushion for the market and for mistakes and construction delays and permit issues. And then maybe I feel fine making 10 grand or 15 grand. And so then they'll make, you know, 70 grand or 65 grand and I'll still feel good about it. And what I am trying to do is I'm trying to show them that I'm a resource for deals and in return, I deserve business. Now, once I've done that for people, a lot of times people, investors, if they're liquidating a rental that they no longer like, even though I never found them that rental, they'll still use me. If they have an investor in one of their offices who needs a good agent, guess what? I'm getting a referral from them. And now I've got two investors that are doing multiple deals a month with me. And so it just is one of those things where if you do a good job, you handle your business, you're unemotional because they don't want emotion back from their agent. You get them the most money. You're a good negotiator and you answer your dang phone and you take things off their plate that they don't want to deal with. If there's weeds and they're getting a violation, you might have to go spray and pull weeds. You do what you can because this person, rather than maybe giving you business every two to five years, like a retail buyer or seller, will give you multiple sales a month, if not multiple sales continuously for years. So that's one of the ways, Nabil, that I want to make connections with investors. Can we go to the agents we know? Oh my goodness, sorry. Can we go to the agents we know or do we have to go to a selling agent? Tammy, any agent that you know could be a unicorn agent, could be investor friendly, and a listing agent could be investor friendly. You just need to call them and have that conversation. I'm a Gator lender. Wonderful. An investor and an agent in Texas. Linda, wonderful. I hope that you are also reaching out to other investors to help pad your agent business or you're making enough money as an investor that you really don't need to use your license. All right, let's see. Real estate broker and investor in California. Same for you, Fred. I hope you're in actively investing, making enough money. And if not, I hope you're connecting with other real, real investors who can help pad your realtor business. Um, oh my gosh, why is Pace in here? I honestly, I was like, Pace will never watch this. So who cares? And here he is. I think this is probably the first thing of mine he's ever watched. <clears throat> Unique. Unique, what market are you in? We'd love to know. When you're in here, say what market you are in. All right. Here you go. Perfect example. Dennis Smith, thank you so much for this. A real life stat from a wonderful market, San Diego, California. In San Diego, there were 2,400 homes it sold in April. 
and 2,100 homes sold in March. There are 33,000 licensed agents, so do the math. Perfect example. There is not enough to go around to make sure that all 33,000 of those agents have a decent enough business to be able to pay their house payment each month. Um, how do I befriend an investor? Um, you need to provide value. So um, some people go to RIAs and they have a drink or they just show up and they go and buddy up next to the person that they already know. And they say, well, I went, I know so many people who are at every meetup. They're at every RIA. They're at every, every event. And, um, they don't actively network. And so what do I mean by actively network? Pace is fantastic about this. And if you've heard him speak, he goes to one person, what do you have and what do you need? And he tries to then connect people or provide what they need back to them. So, um, as a real estate agent, Ocelot Hood 209, I'm assuming that you're a real estate agent. When you go to RIAs, you need to be actively looking for investors that are actively working in your market. You don't want to go to an investor. One of my biggest pet peeves and how I can tell if someone's actually an investor who's doing deals is when you say, hey, okay, you're an investor. Okay, cool. What are you looking for? Oh, anything. Okay. And, and what price? What area? What's your buy box? Oh, you know, I'll take care of anything. No, like that means you're not doing enough or you don't know what you're doing. And I don't really want to help you figure it out over the next month. Like you need someone who knows what they want. They're looking for another Airbnb for their portfolio. They're looking for uh, a fix and flip and they can handle two a month and they want, you know, a single family house and, but they don't want manufactured. Like you want people that can answer those questions and then you want to go out and find it for them. Sorry, everybody. My Wi-Fi went out. So um, let's see. Uh, listening to this and reading Pace, Pace's new book. This community is bringing millions in value. So good. Wow. I love that, Spencer. Thanks for supporting Pace. It means so much. I am so proud of him. Um, yeah, Pace is in here saying goofy stuff about being. Yeah, anyways. Um the right kind of business people are the ones who turn into family. The only snakes and rats are in your backyard. Yes. I mean, you want to do business with people that you appreciate. All right. Pace in here making, making goofy comments. Um, do you have to be a licensed real estate agent to attend a RIA meeting? No. Anybody can attend a RIA meeting. You can have a nine to five. You can be a doctor. You can be homeless. It's just a real estate and networking event. They, you know, if you're interested in real estate investing, you should go. You should figure out where your local one is and you should go and actively network. Um, let's see, Laura, my lady Anna and I missed you at the Denver meetup. Looking forward to meeting you and the girls. Oh yeah. I have never been to Colorado. I feel like I would like it. I feel like it would be a really good place for me. Um, but I decided to not go. Uh, we did a couple crazy trips with Pace where we were in a different city and doing different meetups every single day. And it was really hard on the girls. And the Denver one in particular, Pace was on two flights that day and did two meetups. And so 
two flights in one day with two meetups, meeting hundreds of people is really hard on the little ones. So I will reach a point where my kids are older and I will be um, more along on the roller coaster that is um, li living with pace. As an introvert, how do you network? I find it terrifying. Um, I'm an introvert. Um, I have to fake it sometimes. Um, a really good way to know how, I mean, you have to start somewhere. So I don't know how much of an introvert you are. Um, my first job that I ever had was at Wells Fargo and I am very nice and I'm a good employee and I'm smart. Um, but about two months into the job, I had a customer say, Hey, I'd like to withdraw this, deposit this, put this here and move this amount of money into my kid's bank account and pay this to my credit card. So did it, did it, did it all handed him his receipts and he threw the receipt back at me and he said, you are such a B-I-T-C-H, get me your manager right now. And I was like, okay. So I went and got my manager and my manager came out and he said, hey, what's the problem? And he's like, she is so effing rude. I've come here so many times. She never doesn't look me in the eye. She won't talk to me. She doesn't even ask me how my day is. She, you need to talk to her. And I'm just standing there like, okay. So I got pulled back to the vault, which is where we had, you know, the serious conversations away from the customers. And my manager said, you are a really nice person, but you are so painfully shy. Like you don't even say hi to people. So I'm going to stand behind you for the rest of this shift. And all I want you to do is say hi. That's it. Okay. So I did that. And then the next shift, he goes, I want you to ask them how their day is. And you're going to think it's stupid because you're going to have six people in line and you're going to get every other up and you're going to be thinking that it's dumb and you don't want to keep asking that, but you need to talk to people. Like you have to talk to people because you're going to have this problem for the rest of your life. And so he held my hand. And by the time I was done with that job, I was the master of having these five to 10 minute interactions with my customers. I knew all about them. In fact, I even knew that one of them was a swinger and she also liked to wear a collar for not her husband. She was married and she had kids and they attended my high school along with me, but she wore a collar and hung out in a cage for her, I don't know, slave owner or whatever, sexual slave owner that she had. So it's like I knew so much about my customers from being able to not even say hi and address them. I knew all these things about their lives and remembered them. So I've moved past that and through work on myself and putting myself out there, making myself scared, I've gotten better and better. Some of you have met me in person. You know I'm not perfect. I get overwhelmed if there's six people in front of me. I, sometimes I don't know what anybody's saying. I'm not great at making eye contact, but I've had to become a stronger person because of the special man that I'm married to. Um, I talked to Elena Cardone about that. She grants very similar to Pace, and she said that she had to become the person um, that he needed as his partner. And so I do feel like a very strong responsibility for that. So um, it is terrifying. And you might have to go home and take a nap and not want to talk to anybody. And you might, you know, the next day be one of those people that's not answering text messages because you're just overwhelmed. Um, but if you want to make connections with people, which I'm here to say that it's very much worth it to put yourself out there. And even if you're not a lonely person, like most of us introverts, we don't really care. We're not lonely. We're sitting at home every single day and we don't talk to anybody. 
Pace, when we were first dating, he's like, hey, when are you going to go hang out with your friends? And I was like, I'm not. And he was like, when are you going to go on a girl's night? I'm not, you know, when are you going to go on a girl's trip? And I'm like, I like want to be home. I don't know. I don't want to go do it. Like, I don't do that, you know? So I understand how you feel. It is terrifying, um, but it is very much worth it to put yourself out there. Um, if not for the wonderful connections that you can make, but the people that you can help. And so um, if you aren't good at like the small talk and you don't want to go to a RIA and say, hey, how's it going? How's the weather? So, you know, what do you think about this allergy season? Huh? Uh, maybe you can say the simple, what do you have and what do you need? Um, you know, what are you looking for? Just get down to business, you know? So, um, I don't know. We, a lot of us introverts have a little bit of like, I don't know. I wouldn't call it Asperger's. That's probably not a politically correct term to use anymore, but sometimes I feel like that's what I have. It's like, I'm almost allergic to like small talk. I don't get it. I don't care why I don't want to do it. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, a lot of times, like when I'm talking to people, it's just like, if I'm going to call you, it's for something. I'm never going to call you just to shoot the crap and talk about why the sky is blue and how I feel today. It's just not going to happen. And so if you're like that, then just get down to business because you're here for a reason. You're either here to make a connection, to make money, to feed your family, to pay your bills. And so to keep that in mind. And then the next day after you have done your dang best, the next one will be easier. And if you need that next day to recover and just hide out in your house, then do it. Sorry, that took a long time. But as an introvert, I understand your pain. Um, am I going to come to Omaha, Nebraska? I probably will not. I'm so sorry. I would love to. I've never been to Nebraska either. Um, I think here you guys have corn or something. <laughs> so, but I would love to. But um, this this particular trip is too crazy. Um, I think that Pace is going city, 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 city. And then he's going to Miami for some podcasts and an event with Bridger Pennington. And so um, that portion of his trip would be easier for the girls and I to attend, but it's jam packed. And so it wouldn't be good for him to have us there. So um, again, when the kids get a little bit older, it'll be a little bit easier. Um, how do you make up a cap? Like a cap rate? I don't know what you're saying. You're going to have to do um, but please shower. Um, I hope that doesn't mean that I look dirty because <laughs> I was outside playing with the kids, but maybe you're meaning please shower before you network. Yes, please shower. Get a piece of gum. No one wants to talk to somebody with stinky breath. Um, just left the Houston, Texas book signing. Keep up the great work. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad that you were there with him. That makes me happy. I've been really excited to see all the videos and pictures that people have been posting. Um, meeting Pace in Atlanta is one of his favorite cities. I'm sure he is super excited for that and only one city for that day. So that's good. Um, do you have any recommendations for underwriting against a multiple exit strategy quickly? Tools, resources, great underwriters in the community to speak with. Um, so Pace is putting together, uh, um, there's going to be weekly underwriting training and you'll become certified in each of these exit strategies. So definitely stay tuned. It's almost done and it's going to be the best thing. However, if you're nervous that you have to take one property and underwrite it for all of those, you won't. Um, you know, if you have an investor who's looking for a specific property and you know why they're buying it, what's their buy box and what's their exit strategy, then you'll underwrite it for that exit strategy. You won't be saying, oh, Mr. or Mrs. Investor, you can 
fix and flip this, but you also could turn into sober living because they know that, but not everybody wants a sober living. Not everybody, you know, wants to fix and flip. Some people want to hold right now. And so you'll know what they're looking for and that's how you'll be underwriting properties. Um, let's see. Want five to 20 units in Phoenix or DFW? Um, Manuel, I have an agent who just sent me um, an eightplex and I can send it to you if you send me your email. Um, it's in Phoenix. All right. Let's see. Is that Julie? I don't know who Julie is, but maybe Julie's in the comments. <clears throat> Let's see what else we got. Learn so much these evenings. These are gems going to cherish and get more tuition for my sub too. I love that. Great, great, great news. Okay. Let's see. Let's see what else we've got. Need to go to a local RIA ASAP. Yes, please do. It's a wonderful way to meet people. All right. I'm coming across agents that are not open to creative finance and play gatekeeper for their clients due to them not open to subject two. have been going to the seller directly. Is this the wrong approach in your opinion? Um, Jonathan, as long as you're not a licensed real estate agent, you have every right to go direct to seller. I cannot. Um, it's a huge, massive violation. Um, but if an agent is not presenting your offer, um, they should. Every offer that an agent gets, they're legally required to present it to their seller, whether or not they like it or not. Um, but they need to present it. But that doesn't mean that they're pitching it in the right way or in the right light. So if you've got an agent who is the exact opposite of a unicorn agent, um, you can do what you're doing or you can wait until their listing expires because they're probably not going to be successful selling it anyways. And then um, that's a wonderful sales tactic too, to then use on a, sell a seller. Like, Hey, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, I offered this to your agent three months ago, three house payments ago. And I don't think that they told you, Oh, they didn't. Oh my goodness. And guess what? She didn't sell your house either, but here I am still will give you what you want. You just have to give me terms. So sometimes that can work actually in your fa favor. How do you get started as a realtor? Um, you have to go to real estate school. Um, it's really easy. Uh, it's almost too easy. And that's probably why there's so many realtors and so few deals going on. Um, the easiest way to do it now is online. If you are the type of person that you're going to space out or you will take eight months to get your license, then maybe you need to hold yourself more accountable and attend in person, even though it might be painful for you. Um, I did a two-week crash course um, in Arizona at Arizona School of Real Estate and Business or ASREB. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked my teachers. I liked the workbook and I passed my uh, test the first time. So um, I recommend ASREP. I love it. But if you're not in Arizona, um, just Google um, real estate school. If you cannot or you don't trust that it's actually accredited and you're going to get your license, reach out to your state's department of real estate and ask for a recommendation of schools that they are either affiliated with or um, accept hours from and go there. All right, let's see. Yep, now look at me running my whole po podcast. Yeah, but you know, it's still hard. I still second guess myself every step of the way leading up to this. And even so, I'm probably going to wake up at 3 a.m. and um, rehearse everything I said and beat myself up for it. <laughs> um, I'm an introvert. So glad you're speaking on this. Um, I think I uh, still probably a lot. I kind of look at it as a negative aspect of who I am. Um, I wish that I was an extrovert. It's because our society is definitely built for extroverts. Extroverts will do better than us 
you know, they just will. Um, but uh, I've kind of figured out a weird hack in my own way of dealing with it. Um, but I'm not as good as pace all day, every day, multiple times a day, you know, like it starts to, to get to me and I can, I can get worn out really fast. So, um, yeah. TMI can't throw that out that like that. I don't even know what I said. That's how much of a good match pace and I pace was talking about seeing me naked. And I don't even know what was TMI that I said, but apparently it was something Carly. What did I say? I don't even know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways. Okay. Um, used to be a travel nurse, hard for the hubby and the daughter holding, hauling them with me and two cats. Yeah, that would be super, super, super hard. Carly, you can't tell that I'm shy. That's really good. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm just unfriendly and it's not that I'm unfriendly. I'm just damn shy and weird, awkward. I would call it, um, great leader to take you under his wing like that. Yes. Very true. Um, what is a great buy box? Um, Sean, there is nothing that makes or breaks a buy box being great or not. It just is what an investor wants to buy. So um, a buy box is the area that they want to buy in, um, the price range, um, what property type and any other requirements that they have. Say um, you have an investor who doesn't want to pull permits, so they don't want anything they're going to have to tear down walls or add square footage to. That would be a buy box. And that just because someone does want to pull permits or doesn't want to pull permits doesn't mean it's good or bad. You know, they know what they can handle and they know, you know, how long they want to spend on each project to where they can make the most amount of money. And so it's just up to you to find it. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, great match for my hubby. I think so too. I think that there's for a long time, I thought that I was the perfect match for him, but having kids will really make you second guess yourself because having kids is hard on your marriage. Um, Laura, thanks for being so transparent. Keep walking in the strength. Appreciate that. I do try to be transparent. One of the things that I really do not appreciate about people who have a public platform is pretending like you're perfect. Um, it can be admirable. It can be something that people want to strive towards. But after a while, it, my opinion, it makes you feel really bad about yourself. And I don't ever, I've said this before, I don't ever want people to think that I don't fart or that my life is perfect because it's not. And I have problems just like everybody else. And I'm not perfect just like everybody else. And so although you could look to me and say, wow, I hope that my real estate business looks like yours someday, or I hope that I have a great partnership like you and Pace have, or I can't wait to have kids and be a strong mom like you, I will take and accept all of those compliments, but I um, do not want to ever make someone feel less than. We are all the same. We're all human. We all, you know, have our crap. So um, yeah. And not that I'm not actively working on myself. I'm always working on myself. But I appreciate you um, appreciating my transparency. I had to consciously train myself at eye contact. Avoiding it can be a trauma response as well. Yes. Awareness is key and realizing nothing is actually personal. Yeah, very much so. Sometimes I don't know which eye to look at for people too. I don't know if anyone else feels like that. I caught you at a great time at Growth Summit. I hope that means that I was... Um, outgoing. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. Let's see what else we got. Um, let's see. Your, your story just made my stomach turn and it wasn't even my experience. I don't know if that's good or bad either. Hopefully it's just about me being shy. So, 
I think also people now seriously lack the social skills, aka soft skills that were once polite society. Too many people just keeping their head down, saying hi moves mountains. Yes, that is true. Um, the other thing too that is a good thing to keep in mind, which I probably all of you are like, yeah, Laura, we know that. Um, but to realize that no one's thinking about you, especially if you're an introvert, you also probably have a little, like you're a little self-conscious like me. And so you're like, oh my gosh, everyone sees my um, hairy unibrow that I have right now, or the pimple on my upper lip. No one sees that. No one's thinking about that because they're thinking about their hairy upper lip. They're not thinking about your pimple. They're just not. And so if you keep that in mind too, that like everybody, when I'm at networking events, I try so hard because I can't. Pace will not stand next to me ever. Like that man is off. And so I can't just sit next to his side and be like, hi, nice to see you. So I've learned really quickly like, hey, I'm going to go seek out people that I don't know and just say hi. And how are you doing? What what do you do here? You know, what are you looking for? And try to have good conversations. And I realized really quickly that people are almost like take us like a sigh of relief, like, holy shit, someone. Sorry, I can't cuss on here. <gasps> Not on Pace's YouTube. I'm sorry, Carly. I try. I, I lasted an hour. Someone tell Pace I lasted an hour without saying a cuss word. Um, people will almost take a sigh of relief. Like you'll see they physically like relax because they were like going to have to be the one that has to go up to somebody and talk. And they're like so happy that you came up and decided to, you know, pick their brain that they don't have to go do it themselves. And so when you're at networking events, remember that no one notices what you think everyone notices. No one's thinking about you and all of your weird insecurities. They're thinking about themselves and all of their weird insecurities. And also like they feel awkward too. And so if you know that and you just go up and talk to them, they'll feel really good. Um, let's see. Girl, camping is the best. I love that. I do love to be outside. I'm an agent. Every broker has a cap to reach annually. How do you make up the cap while being a unicorn agent? Um, I hate brokerages that have caps, even though I'm currently at one. Um, I like flat fee brokerages. I like investor-friendly brokerages. Um, you don't have to be at a brokerage that has a cap. I don't know. Go to HomeSmart. It's like a couple hundred bucks a transaction and no monthly fee, no caps, no splits. So... Um, do what you want. And also it depends on like how you're making money. So if you're marking up deals from wholesalers, you're getting paid a commission. And so you need to probably talk to your broker. Um, I was at an investor friendly brokerage called Treehouse when Pace and I were wholesaling and we bought a Homevestors franchise. And I went to my broker and I said, Hey, we bought a Homevestors franchise. Do you want me to run these through the brokerage? And he said, absolutely not. So guess what? Every assignment fee, we kept hundred percent of it. Didn't run through my brokerage. I didn't have to turn in the paperwork. It's different. So um, depends on what you're doing. But if you do want to run it through your brokerage, which is always a safe way to do it, um, you're just running through a commission as usual. You take your split, whatever your employment independent contractor agreement, your employment agreement states is the same rules those chunks of money will be following. Let's see. Um, totally true. Extroverts get energy from people. Extroverts give energy to people. Yes, very true. Um, you can do some energy work type of things where you envision, you know, like a little bubble around yourself to protect yourself. So you could do that too. We have word vomit. Oh, I'm the queen of word vomit. I love it. Wow. Pace is being so nice to me. He said I was beautiful. I think that he is lonely on the road. <laughs> oh my gosh. My husband 
is, was an introvert, been together so long you cannot tell. Yeah, that's true. Introverts, once they're comfortable around somebody, like I can talk Pace's ear off much to his annoyance. And he's probably like, damn, you like never talk. Why are you like, why won't you shut up around me? So I'm on the fence about becoming an agent here in Tucson. My goal is to become a stub two student. Do you have any advice? Absolutely. I am super big on this. You do not have to be an agent to be an investor. Some people think that it's a huge value add. To be honest, I feel like the only value add being an agent is, is having MLS access. That's it. It really doesn't do anything. In fact, it puts a lot of handcuffs on you for things that you can't do. You can't go direct to seller. You can't, I mean, there's so many things that you can't do because you're a licensed agent. Um, if you have the intention of being the licensed agent, um, say Lizanne, if you and your husband or you or your fiance are, um, in the investor game together and you guys want to fix and flip, then it might be worth it to get your license because you can list your fix and flips, um, for very little money, if not nothing, and keep the majority of it as profit margin. And that all goes to your family. So I don't know your exact situation, but, um, yeah, being, you do not have to be an agent to be an investor. And in a lot of ways, it's better to be an investor without being an agent. Um, let's see. Hardcore thinking about swingers now. Uh-oh. Oh, it must have been about my Wells Fargo lady. She was on a TV show about it too. It was really funny. I was watching a like Sex Lives or something TV show that was like on TLC and it flashed by Chandler, Arizona. And then she was on there. It's really funny. Um, my husband is the same, doesn't care for small talk. Yeah, me either. Um, but some people need it. Um, it's how you find your people. It's organic and you don't feel like running away immediately. Yes. Let's see. Pace is being funny. I must have missed a Pace joke, which that stinks. I have to get to bed. Good night, Brian. Appreciate you being here with me. Stuff is wonderful. Thanks for sharing. All right. I'm an agent. Every brokerage has a cap. To okay. We got that from Kay. So we're doing good. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'm going to touch on something really quick too, which is important. Um, if you want to be a unicorn agent with me, um, I'm sure Pace is like, when are you going to say that? Hurry yourself up. Um, I am currently at eXp Realty underneath Elena Cardone, the one and only, the super beautiful. Um, now, if you're thinking eXp is not investor friendly, you would be correct. eXp is known for severing people's licenses who wholesale, um, However, Grant and Elena very much wanted Pace and Jamil, which the licensed counterparts to Jamil is Rahima and the licensed counterpart to Pace is myself. Um, and so there were a lot of conversations and a lot of meetings with EXP um, corporate um, arranged by the Cardones to make sure that um, anyone underneath us could continue to do creative finance and wholesale and investor activities and not get in trouble. Um, so that's the understanding and that's how it is. So if you are at EXP, but you're not underneath me, you might get in trouble for wholesaling. But if you're underneath me, you're going to be fine. Now, what do we provide? So currently, um, the tier of, cause EXP is a tier model above Elena is Tarek El Musa and Lisa Copeland. Um, so throughout the week, there is so much training, much like sub two, that you could literally sit in your computer and be trained for hours by very top level, high level people that are in the inner circles for um, Lisa and Tarek 
and Elena. So we're talking sales um, extraordinaires like Haas Pratt, legendary people that are in there every single week um, conducting trainings for you for free. So it's very similar to sub two. Now, am I running a team? Now, that's a million-dollar question. Pace likes to say I have a team at eXp. Now, a team means a different thing um, to Pace than it means to realtors. So when a realtor says that they have a team, that usually means that they are directly mentoring and providing leads and business cards and websites and open house signs and signs to put in people's yards um, and logos and marketing Um on their dime. And so that's not what this is. EXP is an opportunity to um, be under this incredible line of very high level people, um, not just in the country, but in the industry and to receive training from them. Um, if you want training specifically from me, um, Elena has asked me to not conduct investor training, which is really unfortunate. Um, so that's going to have to be done separately from eXp just with me. But I would love to help out any agents that want to sharpen up their comping skills, um, maybe role play, um, talking to investors, um, getting the low down on a buy box, and just finding alternative ways to actually be successful. Because again, it is very hard to be able to support yourself being a real estate agent with retail buyers and sellers alone. And I know there are exceptions to the rule. We've already covered that, but they are few and far between. So um, if you're interested in joining me, you can send me an email or you can go to joinlauramorby.com. Um, let me put it right here. And we will connect you with someone from Cardone World who can make sure that you... Um, get signed up appropriately, get access to Cardone World and all of the trainings. Um, so yeah, does anyone have any other questions before I go? You guys are all so sweet. And I know here in Arizona, it's only eight o'clock, but in the, some of the East Coast cities, it's pretty late. So does anyone have any questions for me before I go relieve my poor 15-year-old son from watching two babies? Have I considered getting my brokerage license? Um, I will be very direct with this. Hell no. <laughs> um, I have um, at Treehouse Realty, I worked hand in hand, kind of became a right hand woman for the owner of Treehouse. It is very hard to make money and it is very hard to make agents happy. So some of you who have been direct to agent can see the attitude with most of them. Um, there's a lot of, you know, Hey, we need office space. We need not just a printer, but one of those big printers that ch -ch 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 shoots out stuff. Why are there no open house signs in here? Why do we not have marketing put together each month that we can put on our social media and do newsletters? Why do we not all have our own personal websites with IDX access to MLS? Why do we not ha all have our own websites? You spend so much money and agents have a really high turnover rate. And also most agents don't want to have a commission split, especially agents that are doing business. So you'll have a lot of people who will take, take, take thousands of dollars from the brokerage. And then once it co comes time that they close a sale, um, you know, they'll come to you and say, hey, you know, I've had a couple of really bad months. I really need new tires on my car. I know we agreed to a 70-30, but is there any chance that I could take the lion's share of this and catch you on the next one? And then guess what? For the next one, they're gone. And so um, 
long, not a long story short, very direct. Absolutely not. I will never have my own brokerage. Will I ever become a broker? Absolutely. Here in Arizona, um, we have realtors agent, like realtor agents, like, and we have brokers. Um, a broker requires some extra education and uh, some more fees. Um, very happy to be a broker someday. Before having this huge flat platform, how did you find your investor clients? Do you call or outreach from lists? Um, I've had a very interesting career where I've continually ended up working for other investors. Um, Pace and I talked a lot about how like I was continuously helping other people build their kingdom until he snagged me a couple years ago. Um, and then I started having babies. So I haven't really been that much of a value add to him. Um, but I was always working for other um, investors, not by choice. It just ended up happening. And so I saw um, the different side of things. So Randy Duncan seeing fix and flips and trustee sales. Then I went and worked for another investor and saw, learned how to do short sales. And then I went and worked for another investor and learned property management. Um, so I was continually working for people. And then I worked at Treehouse, which they did all the acquisitions for invitation homes and they own a crap ton of mobile home parks. And so I, 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 um, I learned a lot, um, and got interfaced with a lot of people really quickly. Like there were so many people that I knew in this industry, um, before we even bought a Homebusters franchise, you know, I knew a lot of the big players and it was just because of what I had done. Did they know who I was? Probably not because I wasn't really making a splash because I didn't believe in myself. Um, but, um, if you are interested in meeting people and you feel as though you don't have the platform or the opportunities that I do, um, go to Aria. That's free and they want to meet you. They do very, very, very much want to meet a realtor who would be willing to learn their side of the business. All right, let's see what else we got. You don't want to be a broker. They're broke. It's true. Got a lot of legal liability on themselves too. All right. Oh my gosh. Rylas is in here. I love Rylas. Oh my gosh. I can't tell how, you how much I love Rylas. Wow. I'm so blessed that so many people are in here watching me talk. Um, thank you, Sean. Appreciate that. All right. I love that. Okay. Do you have to have a realtor license to be a part of EXP? Absolutely. So EXP is a real estate brokerage and you have to have a license to hang there. So in order to get hired by EXP, if you're not like a support staff, then yeah, you have to be a licensed realtor. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. I hope that this gave everyone some pretty good context on what a unicorn agent is. This is just dipping your toes into the surface, but why it exists and why it's good for people. First time watching a live for Pace. Wow. Oh my gosh. MD, you got to actually watch the man Pace. This is nothing compared to a live. Um Love that. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate that. Um, love that. Lots of new connections. Do I use the EXP Certified Express Offer Platform? I do not. I have heard good things, though. You are the most valuable player for your husband. He cannot do it. Oh, my goodness. That man, I tell you what. I am a good foundation, and I'm a nice place for him to come home to, but that man would be moving mountains with or without me. He's born for that. If I want to mostly acquire, buy and hold properties and be a sub student, is it worth becoming an agent? Absolutely not. Just find someone like me who can help you find what you need. Can this be a part-time thing too, to be a unicorn agent? Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, being a part-time retail agent? No. 
you need to work full time. Um, are there liens on properties on PropStream accurate or up to date? Um, as good as they can make them, you know, without actually pulling a prelim. So PropStream's pretty good. All right. Well, if that's all that everyone has, love from El Paso. Thanks. Appreciate Arturo. Um, I'm going to release everyone from my grasp. Um, got an hour and 15 minutes. If you have questions um, or you'd like to chat more, let me know. Um, everyone's situation as a real estate agent is different. I have told some people not to join me at EXP because of their lives and what's going on. And I've happily have some people who have joined me. Um, so would love to have more people, would love to work with people and host trainings um, separately for sub two students who are also realtors. Would love to do that. So you guys just have to let me know what you think, what you need. I'm happy to be here as always. Blessed to be a part of this community. Blessed to be married to Pace. Appreciate you. Love you all. Thank you for being here with me.